You're listening to Panthers on Tap. I'm Curtis Round, joined by Bryson Carbley. We're just two fans sharing our love for the game in Carolina Panthers football. So join us, crack open a cold one, some bubbly, a little wine, some scotch. We don't care, whatever makes you sleep better at night. Before we dive into the episode, a little self-promotion. Stop what you're doing. Go give us a follow on Twitter at Panthers on Tap. Join the discussion on our Facebook group. We have over 2,500 members. You can listen to us wherever you get your podcast. Just search Panthers on Tap. Boy, oh boy, Bryson. I said it a couple of minutes ago before we hit the record button, but this was a, one of the lowest of lows for the Panthers offensively defensively, special teams all across the board. This team just decided not to show up out of the locker room on Sunday. Very disappointing after coming off of a kind of a thriller game in Atlanta, 35-37, whatever the score was, high-scoring game. And for them to come out flat in this one was just so disappointing. Yeah, I mean, people lost their jobs over this game. <laughs> Evan Cooper and Paul Pasqualoni fired on Monday after the uh, terrible showing that what the whole entire Panthers roster put on the field uh, on this past Sunday. So it uh, started, in my opinion, with the defense just coming out of the gate and the Bengals pretty much doing whatever they wanted to do in the run game, in the pass game. Uh, we'll get into a couple of players specifically I want to call out, but uh, just a, a pitiful performance. Even like special teams, the, uh, of course, Johnny Hecker was doing his job. He always does his job. But there were flags on, uh, on you know, punt returns and kick returns left and right for Carolina. Defense, I don't – I, I want to get into that more specifically later. But uh, – and then the offense, um, I mean, we all know what happened in the first half. P.J. Walker had a zero passer rating and couldn't get the running game going. I mean, I don't know. It was just disaster top to bottom. Yeah, I want to start with the defense because um, the majority of the time it's us harping on the offense, and the offense did struggle. They didn't do a damn thing. But defensively, it brought me back to Matt Rule's first couple games in the league. Just the defense just looked god-awful. I mean, holes everywhere. I think Sheena Quick put it perfectly. She said that defense looked like Swiss cheese. I think she tweeted that this morning, like – just so much out of sorts and couldn't get pressure missed. Like just tackling was just God all. I mean, there was no tackling whatsoever. Um, several offsides penalties. I mean, it's pretty sad when you're offsides and you still can't get pressure on the quarterback and they end up scoring on plays like that. It's really, it's really sad, but just not what we've seen from this team. The first six weeks of the, the season, and to be fair, they're starting to play some better teams right now. Cincinnati, I mean, besides last week, isn't, you know, some, you know, crummy team, you know. So they, they, uh, they're starting to get in that heart of the schedule that we talked about earlier in the season. Um, but just to come out and look so flat on the road was so disappointing after last week's game. Yeah, they gave up five touchdowns to Joe Mixon. I mean, it was it, – it, I mean, it, it reminds me of that game versus the 49ers that they lost like 51 to whatever it was, 14, 17, whatever, um, or the Steelers game um, where Cam Newton got hurt. I mean, it was just a bad performance. It seems like we get one of these every year from the Panthers, and 
Um, the defensive line against one of the worst offensive lines in the league still couldn't get pressure. Brian Burns got one sack when it was 28 to nothing, when it didn't matter. Uh, this is an offensive line that's given up 100 sacks. And Joe Burrow's first going, this is his third year. They've already given up 100 sacks. Uh, and I, I get this year's different, but I mean, the Browns are just played them the week prior and had five or six sacks. Uh, the defensive line had four or five, like you mentioned, the penalties lining up offsides. I don't understand how it's so hard to look to your left or your right and see where the ball is and just make sure you're not, not in the same path as the ball. But uh, the corners, I don't understand why this defense consistently plays off ball. We've talked about it every week, it seems like. they The corners give seven to ten yards of cushion, and the Bengals were just taking advantage of it all day. Uh, the linebackers can't cover. The linebackers can't fill a gap and stop the run. Uh, Shaq Thompson is absolutely washed. Um, C.J. Henderson, they picked on him pretty much the whole day. And uh, J.C. Horn, they didn't really throw his way much. But, I mean, it, there really wasn't any part of this defense that played well. And, and I, I specifically, I wanted to call out Brian Burns because this is a game that he should have been dominant in. And if, if, if you're a player that a team turns down two first-round picks and a second-round pick, and thinking you're going to command a top 10, top five salary for a defensive end in this league, over $20 million a year, you have to make your mark on this game against an offensive line that has struggled all year against elite pass rushers. And he had one sack down 28 to nothing. Couldn't stop anything in the run game. I'm sorry, but I've, I've tweeted it multiple times. Brian Burns is not worth $20 million or more a season. I don't care what anybody says. I get he's a, he's a fan favorite and he's – He's the best we have right now, and he is a good player, but he is not a top 10 defensive end in this league. And I don't – I would have taken the two first-round picks in the second. I get the 2023 or 2024, 2025 or the first rounds, and the second was in 2023. But you hit on one of those picks, and then you have a first and a second or a whatever, a first and a first to add additional pieces. Uh, obviously, this defense needs more than one or two pieces. Um, getting Jeremy Chan back will help a lot, but – they need linebackers. They need defensive tackles. They need ends. Like, there's just so many holes, and and Bri maybe Brian Burns thrives better with, on a better defensive line around them. And then an, an, another thing was it was so weird to me. I don't I don't know if you saw it as well, but like to start the second half, like they said Derek Brown was sick. He had an illness and he was out. Um, what the hell is up with that? What, uh, did they bench him or what? Uh, no, I don't know. I saw that too. I saw it on Twitter, and I was I I posed the question to the fans I was with because I was like, uh, how the hell? I don't know if it was something where he was throwing up or something and he couldn't go back in. I don't know, but I thought it's the same thing. I thought it was very odd. Did he not? Did was he back? He was back in there at towards. I can't in the remember. second half. I don't. I can't remember either. It was I wasn't really paying attention at that point, but. To be fair on the Brian Birds thing, he should have had two sacks. It should be more than three. It should have been two at least on the actual stat sheet. He had the one sack. They gave up a penalty on the play. But, again, you expect more out of him and you expect more out of this defensive line. I think I tweeted it during the Browns-Bengals game last week. They, I, I, I at least thought they should have had, and maybe we said this last week. They should have had at least three sacks in the game, easily. And, and to to only come away with one, 
and then just look pitiful altogether and give up 42 points to a team offensively that could not score in a half last week against the Browns and be without arguably, I guess you would say second best player behind Joe Burrow is Jamar Chase and be without him and put up 42 is ridiculous. I mean, some of those wide receivers I've never heard of that were making catches yesterday. I'm not talking about Higgins, um, but some Frank of the guys Taylor were, was killing us. The white, the white guy that kept that doing guy. The, yes, yeah, I the think of, I didn't know. Yes. dude. I, I, it's been since the 49ers game. Teams have have been exploiting that end around play against Carolina. The defense cannot stop it. It goes for 10 to 15 yards every time they run it, and it's just like I. This defense doesn't make adjustments. It pisses me off. Like, why can they not play one ball defense? Why can you not play man man press coverage? The corners have the talent. J.C. Horn and C.J. Henderson and Dante Jackson, Keith Taylor aren't a bad group of corners. Play press coverage and don't play off ball because I feel like it was when the when the defense did get a stop on the run and it was third and short or or third and seven and eight. Joe Burrow all day was just across the middle hitting passes for for that five to seven to eight yards and it wasn't like. There were no adjustments, and I, and like I was just talking to myself watching the game, and I was like, why are they not changing it up? It is clearly not working, and whatever they were running on the defensive line schematically was awful. So I I, I mean, obviously it resulted in Paul Pasquale getting losing his job and Evan Cooper losing his job, but I don't know if that's going to make a difference. That's just scapegoating. So I'm just so confused as to what the game plan was Sunday for this defense specifically. Yeah, and we talked about it last week, and I'm going to keep bringing it up until they figure it out, is J.C. Horn needs to be on their best, the best wide receiver on an opposing team. Every single game, game in, game out, the guy can play inside, outside. There's no excuse why he is not following the best pass catcher on a football team. He is clearly the best corner in Carolina. Put him on their best player, what should have been Higgins all day yesterday. Shut him down and then make these other guys beat you, which Sunday wouldn't have mattered. I mean, they got their ass kicked no matter what they did. Yeah, But that needs to happen. And for them not to do that, I don't understand the reasoning. I don't know if it's something coaching-wise or if it's something J.C. Horn-wise that he doesn't want to do that, whatever the case might be. But that guy needs to be shadowing the best player. I, I just, while you were talking before, I did quick calculations again. This is a harder part of their schedule. I get it, but I was just seeing points per game. Carolina under Phil Snow, it's not by much, but Carolina under Phil Snow was giving up 24.4 points per game, and that's through five games this year. Holcomb is at 27.3 through three, now four games it would be. Yes, four. So something to keep in mind just going forward, but it's just – just a piss poor game all around. Um, I think I don't know if this would have really changed much, but I feel like Dante Jackson might have helped their cause a little bit. I know you probably don't agree with me on that, but I feel like CJ Henderson struggled. Keith Taylor showed some promise. He, he that guy needs, I think, to be playing a little bit more. I mean, some yeah. of those I think he had a I think he had a pass breakup, a really nice one on a third down. Uh, this past it could have been game. a pick six. It could yeah, have been a pick six. That's the play. Um, but yeah, he's starting to make plays that he didn't make. La- I mean, he made plays last year, but he's made he's making up for some of the stuff that he kind of struggled with last year. So 
I feel like he needs to be playing more. Dante just can never stay on the field. We all know that. And I'm trying to think because this defense, they're different. They're different with Al Holcomb. I, yeah. I I put it out last. I put it out yesterday, and people don't want to hear. It, but I feel like the defense played better under Phil Snow um, through those five games. But again, weaker schedule. I get it. They're also without one of their best defensive players right now, and Jeremy Chin. Does he have that big of an impact on this team that they're playing this bad right now? I guess we'll see if he plays this Thursday. But they are just they're struggling to they're just struggling to tackle, and that's I mean that's the shit you learn. <laughs> Early on and something they struggled with, I guess, in training camp was I remember in the first couple preseason games, Matt Rule talked about, yeah, we need to clean up tackling. We need to clean up tackling. Well, Matt Rule's not here anymore. So that that has been an ongoing issue for this team all season long. But those guys need to get it together. I mean, that's when you wrap up a guy, you got to bring them down and it's they're just getting gashed all over. And they got they played Atlanta without Cordero Patterson. And he's now he's with them again. I mean, this yeah. they're gonna get all run over again this weekend or on Thursday. So there's a lot of problems on defense, which I didn't think would be the case. I I thought that was gonna be their strong suit, or we all did. I mean, that was something they were all right at these last two years. I mean, they did have their hiccups uh last year and they weren't great, you know, they would give up yards and points and stuff like that, but I feel like we were going back to ground zero on some of this shit. It's yeah, really annoying. We we shouldn't be in the middle of the season talking about getting back to fundamentals. Like it's the same thing over every year. And I'm just so tired of it. I'm ready. I, you know, I really like Steve Wilkes as a person and he's, he loves Charlotte. He's local, uh, really just a good guy, but Carolina needs an offensive minded head coach. Um, they just need a whole revamp of the coaching staff top to bottom. And you, if they keep Steve Wilkes around as a, a secondary or defensive coordinator, then sure. But uh, I don't want to see this off ball Ron Rivera defense though, if Wilkes is around because it doesn't work, it does not work. And I'm just tired of it, but transitioning to the offense. Um, I thought one play that I, I kept going back to that kind of just, was downhill for the rest of the day was that Tommy Trimble drop that, that PJ Walker had that nice escape from a sack and he threw it to Tommy Trimble. It was like when they were down seven, nothing, I think. And Tommy Trimble dropped it. And then the Panthers had to punt. And then it was just downhill from there. And I always go back and I, and I, I think how different would that game have been if Tommy, Tommy Trimble caught that ball and the Panthers got some momentum from PJ Walker escaping from that sack. And, uh, it just goes back to the Panthers need a, t- uh, a tight end. Uh, I've, I've been a Tommy Trimble believer, but um, he did have a nice catch for a touchdown with Baker. But you just got to be consistent. And and that was way more important to start the game than his touchdown was at the end of the game when they were it was garbage time stats. So uh, need, need a tight end. Um, wide receiver-wise, I thought DJ Moore and Terrace, when they had the opportunities, played well. Terrace Marshall had a very nice touchdown catch. When it didn't matter, but – uh, still nice up other otherwise. Um, and then, you know, I, I don't think I really felt like the offensive line played bad. I just feel like the Panthers got down and then they abandoned the run and PJ Walker didn't play well. And then when Baker came in the second half, it was, it was over. The game was over. So it just really was a, a pitiful performance. And if the defense could have made at least a couple of stops to start in the game, then maybe it's a different script, but, 
I just go back to that Tommy Trimble drop, and it really, I really just think of how things would have been different if he would have caught that ball. Yeah, before before I get into the offense, one more thing. I know I kind of gave this guy an excuse last week, but where the hell is Shaq Thompson? I thought maybe he wasn't healthy. I talked about it last week, but this guy last year was a playmaker on this defense. And so far this season has pretty much been non-existent. And he talked about it today in his interview that, you know, he needs to step up and make plays. But, I mean, more less talking and, and more action out of him. And that he needs to step up. This linebacking core, I mean, I'm it's sad to say, but I, I want to see some of these rookies play because they're playing like trash right now. And we might as well see what Brandon Smith has got. They're already in full tank mode, it seems like. We'll get into that in a little bit. We'll get in our soapbox about that, but give some of these younger guys an opportunity. If these other, you know, the Corey Littletons of the world, the the other guy, Damian Wilson, um, you know, throw some of these younger guys in and see what they got. Cause this linebacking core has been piss poor. We thought it was a weakness. And then we thought it, you know, at the start of the season was going to pick up a little bit. And I feel like they haven't really caught their footing at all this season. And it is time to see some of these younger guys get into the action if this is how they're going to play moving forward. Offensively, Panthers don't have a tight end. Should have never signed Ian Thomas. Tommy Tremble is not it. And you, I'm, not, I'm usually not like that. I'm usually not the negative one to, to you know, call out guys and say they're, you know, they're not that great or whatever. I usually take the soft, softer approach. You're the one more than me to do it. You, you're more ballsy, but he he's not the answer at tight end. Yeah, he might make a few good catches, but he's had his opportunities, and he is not making the most of them. So they need a tight end. They haven't had one since Greg Olson. That's kind of why I tweeted out today on our account, I miss Greg Olson, because they have not had a tight end like him. Or, I mean, had, had a tight end at all since he left. Ian Thomas, we thought maybe he could turn into something earlier on. Hasn't really flourished, um, but they love to do the tight end screens with him. You know, that's Steven, whatever the hell his last name is. He wasn't in this game. He has some traits you would like in a pass catching tight end. But I mean, that guy ain't no top 15, <laughs> top 15 guy in the league. And Tommy Tremble's had the traits. But I mean, for Christ's sake, the guy's from Notre Dame. So <laughs> that yeah. already puts him behind the ball. But no, seriously, they do not have a tight end. One positive, I would say, and you mentioned it already, TMJ, he's starting to come on. He's finally getting opportunities since Matt Rule got fired, and he's making the most of them. He had a hell of a grab on Sunday with Baker's throw. I get it, it's garbage time, but that was a hell of a play. He's starting to come on. I feel like you're going to see a lot more of that. We saw uh, a fade route in Atlanta. They didn't capitalize on it. They get when again, did it in Cincinnati. They capitalize on it. That is going to be an ongoing thing, I think, moving forward here. So he was a positive. Foreman, we didn't get to see much of. They abandoned the run, and that's something I think that hurt PJ, too, is they were just, you know, they were in full pass mode by, like, 21 zip already in the second quarter. So it was like, oh, here goes PJ, something that, you know, he at least needs a run game behind him. He's going to struggle when you do shit like that. You need – they're going to have to do that in this Atlanta game is to establish a runner. It's going to be a long-ass day, too, in that one. Um, 
thought Icky played well. I saw the PFF grade today. I think he was in the 80s. He hasn't given up a sack since like week two, two or th- was it? Is it week two? Mm-hmm. Which is outstanding. The guy's playing at a pretty high level right now for someone who struggled in pass pro, you know, in preseason and you know that first game against arguably one of the best DNs in the game, if not the best DN in the game. If the so, Panthers had a better record, I would not be surprised to see Icky in the Pro Bowl. Like that's how well he's playing this year, and uh, because yeah, the Slater Panthers. made the Pro Bowl, didn't he in his first yeah, year? Yeah, yeah, and, and, and he was on a way better team. Yeah, and Icky's on the same level as Slater, in my opinion. And I, he's just he's just on a bad team, and it's not his fault, but he's doing his job um, and doing it at a high, a high level. Let's say that. Yeah, and I want to mention Taylor Moten because he has sucked. Yeah. Okay. He might not give up. I mean, the big sacks, like he still gives up that, but the penalties, he's – what year is he? He's got to be in year four or five, whatever year he's in, and he's given up false start after false start. It's like that guy should not be making those – I mean, you'd expect that a guy like Icky, and, I mean, Icky ain't doing that shit. Like – I saw a tweet today. Somebody said he was the best O lineman on a terrible offensive line, and now he's the worst O line O lineman on a good offensive line. Yes, he <laughs> has struggled the last like three weeks, and it's really fucking frustrating to say the least. Because I mean, we were talking about this guy as an anchor last year, and here we are pissing and moaning about him now. So it's frustrating. Do I think he still can bounce back and be, you know, be the player that they paid him to be? Yeah, but it's just, I mean, and you it, expect it could be that worse. out of those guys. Yeah, and, and it could be worse. He could be getting beat like a drum every play, and he's not. But I understand, like, he's getting paid like a top a top uh, right tackle in the league, and he has not lived up to his contract since he signed it. I feel like he's he's been going downhill since he signed his contract, so he does need to improve his play. But – then again, he's not the worst, and he's definitely not the biggest worry of this team. So uh, I, I I get the angst with him, and, and those penalties are unacceptable, but uh, I, I would drive my frustrations elsewhere. Well, yeah, and I mean, you should feel pretty good if you're complaining about Taylor Moten on your offensive yeah, line. So absolutely. I, I get that. Let's talk. If we're good about the game, let's talk. Unless you have everything, anything else that you're good, okay. Let's talk about the decision today because I feel like there's a split fan base here, at least for me, on who should be starting Thursday. And I wanted to get your take. If if you haven't heard by now, Steve Wilkes is sticking with P.J. Walker. And I have my own thoughts, but I kind of want to get yours. What do you think of the move? Yeah, I, I know where you're going to go. But uh, personally, I think uh, P.J. Deserves another chance to start. I know he had a bad game and it was not good at all. Um, but everybody on the team played bad, and I think even Steve Wilkes said if if he benched somebody after one bad game, everybody would be benched after this last game. So uh, I think PJ has done enough through those first two games that he played to to at least earn another start. And versus Atlanta, he played really well. So um, maybe they want to keep that spark where he was. Uh, you know, he he was playing at a high level versus Atlanta just a week or two weeks ago. So. Uh, Baker came in in the second half versus backups and looked looked good, uh, but I don't think really their level of play is going to be much different. I don't, and plus, I'm fine with losing. I I hate to admit it, and I you know it, we're two and seven. 
I'm ready to give up hope. I've been believing and believing and believing. I just want a quarterback that is consistent, that we can grow with on a rookie contract and build around. And I'm just so tired of this patchwork and I'm okay with losing. I'm And, you know, if we win, I'm not going to be upset, but I, a loss is not going to hurt me nearly as bad as it has been for this, you know, up to this point of the season. So uh, PJ Walker, give him another shot. I I don't blame PJ or I don't blame Wilkes for giving PJ Walker another chance. Before I say my take, this is what I think is the reason why they're doing it and is the only reason why they're doing it. Baker Mayfield, when they traded him, and you know this, but just for folks that don't know this, was traded for a fifth-round conditional pick that could turn into a fourth-round pick if Baker Mayfield plays 70% of the Panthers' snaps on offense. With benching Baker, and I saw a thing today that he's, I think, at 61% right now. Starting PJ makes sense so that they hold on to that fourth-round pick. For me, that's frustrating as hell because I'm, as a fan, I'm not into that. You are, but I'm not into the let's lose. I want them to win still. If they lose, will I be happy still? Yeah, I will be because, you know, they're one step closer to a QB maybe in this draft. But I'm still going to root for them to win every single game, and I want them to win the games. And then wherever the cards may fall at the end of the season, they fall. But there is no other reason why P.J. should be starting this game. A zero QBR is god-awful. It's the worst. It can't go negative. It is the least amount of points you can get. He was terrible yesterday, and I was never really on that PJ train of let's, you know, I was very hesitant on, you know, what is this guy, you know, for sure, a for sure thing with this league. And I'm not saying you were. I'm just saying in general, I've seen people online say, you know, PJ Walker's the bridge to a next quarterback. You know who you are. Um and that's just not the case. PJ is PJ. He's a glorified backup in this league. He had a shining moment for a couple games, and he came back down to earth on Sunday. And I think Baker gives them the best chance to win. If I mean, you look across the board, he, he, he's been a proven winner before and a proven quarterback. He has struggled, but I'd like to see what he can do in a Wilkes offense. And I thought we saw a little bit of glimpse of that on Sunday. I get it. It was garbage time this past weekend, but I feel like he looked a little bit different than he did in the previous weeks, was delivering the ball on time, hitting different receivers, kind of looked like the preseason as Baker we saw, and I'd like to see that on Sunday. And it's clear they do not want to give that fourth-round pick up to the Browns. That's fine. Um, but for Steve Wilkes to come out and say, trust the process, it's a bunch of coach-speak bullshit. There is no reason why P.J. Walker is playing Thursday. But that's fine. They can run that narrative all they want. I'm just not buying it. I'll get off my soapbox on that. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I think I, I get where you're coming from. I do because I, I do know that there are still fans like you that want – like and, and I'm not saying I don't want to win every game because, you know, that would be great. But I've also just come to the realization that losing is also good, and I'm just 50-50 really. But – I, I do understand where you're coming from with your frustrations. And um, I'm just – even I, I do understand the fourth and fifth round conditional pick. I'm, I'm not sure if that's 
the main reason. Um, I'm sure it does play a part in it. But I, I just go back to the Atlanta game and where PJ had hit the best game of his career versus them. So I'm, I'm thinking maybe they they believe he can do it again. Um, I, I will say he's going to be on a very short leash, though, if he goes out and throws a pick within the first couple drives or just doesn't look good, he will be benched quickly. And it might be for Sam Darnold, not, not Baker Mayfield. Yeah, I'm curious that I'm curious to see because Wilkes was asked about that today and they asked him if Darnold was going to dress and he didn't say yet. Or he yeah. said, I know Baker will be because he'll be the backup. But I'm curious to see what happens with Sam on Thursday, too, if he dresses, because if he dresses, then that means, yeah, he is because, you know, you're playing at home. And it was the same thing with Matt Rule when, you know, they were struggling and they had the three-game home stretch. When you're playing at home, you're going to hear the booze. And -hmm. there's going to be booze if P.J. struggles. You don't hear it as much as Cincy when you're on the road. But at home, even the 15,000 Panther fans or whoever amount of you going to be there, uh, you're going to get the booze when P.J. starts struggling. So you're right that he is going to be on probably the shortest leash he's ever been on. Um, but I think Wilkes, it would be honestly just the, how conservative he is. It would probably be very similar to Cincinnati where he takes him out at half. I just don't see him doing it earlier than that, but yeah. we'll see. I mean, I, I, I hope they go in and beat Atlanta. I really do. Cause I just want to see a fucking win again, <laughs> but I get it too. I mean, I get the losing aspect. I, I so much want right now that fucking Panthers go in the next year and have Bryce young on their team, but for right now, I just I just want to see some wins, and we'll get to the draft when we get to the draft. And if it takes a couple trade or a couple picks to move up a little bit to get some guy like that, so be it. But um, yeah, I'm a PSL owner. I got to stick with it. I don't really. I mean, I could sell the tickets, but I don't really have much of a choice. Um, so we talked about PJ a little bit. There was one other thing that I wanted to bring up. Yeah, why don't we talk about the trades? Because we've been talking about this a little bit. You've been pretty vocal about this online. Um, but there was reports out by Jonathan Jones on Sunday, right before the Panthers games. They seem to drop this stuff right before game time. That now the Panthers were offered two first rounders, which would have been the 24, 2024, 2025 pick from the Rams, plus a second rounder now from 2023. 2023. And then the other trade that the Packers offered the Panthers a first-round pick for D.J. Moore. Just your thoughts on that. Yeah, fuck no to the Packers. They can fuck off. They're not getting D.J. Moore for a first-round pick with the way, uh, you know, this this draft coming up does not have very good wide receiver talent in it, and there's no good free agent wide receivers. So if they want D.J. Moore, they're going to have to give up a lot more than a first-round pick. And I'm not really moving D.J. Moore for – anything unless it's just an astronomical offer, but uh, he's that good. And he's personally my favorite Panther. So I'm a little biased probably, but I, I think DJ Moore is just a number one, bona fide number one receiver. He's not top five in the league, but DJ Moore is, I mean, he showed it versus Atlanta 150 yards receiving and a touchdown. He's, he is very good and, and can win, win you games. But um, for Brian Burns, on the other hand, who failed to make a difference versus the worst offensive line in the league or one of the worst in the league, I don't see how you do not take two first-round picks in a second. I understand this in 2024 and 2025, but that's that's draft capital that you can trade. And also, 
if you strike out on a quarterback this year, you, you have capital in 2024 to move up or to trade. You got capital in 2025. It really just ensures a positive or more bright future in Carolina than, than now, I, I would say myself. Uh, Brian Burns is a good player. He's not an elite-level player. He's going to get you 10 sacks a season. Uh, he's going to struggle every now and then against the run. Uh, he's going to make some splash plays here and there, but he is not a top 10 defensive end in this league. I don't care what anybody says. He does get pressure, uh, and, and his pressure rates are high. Does not equip to sacks. He runs right past the quarterback. We've all seen it. Um, I do think, again, he is a good player, and I think that if if you put him with a person like Hassan Reddick, then maybe he gets a couple more sacks. But you shouldn't have to rely on that for if, if you're going to be paying this guy over $20 million a season to be that defensive end for you. Um, Miles Garrett is tearing it up. He's got Javian Clowney next on the other side, but Clowney's washed old injuries. Like Miles Garrett's getting it done. Um, TJ Watt, obviously, Michael Parsons. Like the, Brian Burns just isn't on that level. And he wants, I'm assuming he wants to be paid like that, especially knowing they turned down two first round picks and a second round pick for him. I'm coming to the negotiation negotiations table and demanding a lot. Um, so yeah, I, I, I would have taken the the Rams offer. Yeah. I mean, you were texting about this this weekend. Um, I wouldn't do it. I still need a 2023 first round pick for Brian Burns. Um, I don't know how the mathematicians do it, but the way they look at a 2024 and 2025 first round pick is a second and third based off this year. Scott Fitterer is not going to be around by then. Um, or I mean, looking at it from his perspective right now, I should say, we don't know if he's going to be around by then. Um, and then you look at the second rounder. I just, the way it equates would be basically two second round picks and a third for Brian. Not worth it, in my opinion. I do think he's a top 10 defensive end in this league, just based statistically right now. Six sacks this year, six QB hits, 24 QB hurries. Um, statistically, where does, where does six rank in the league right now? 10th. I, oh, okay. I, I I didn't honestly didn't know, but um but tied. He's tied with well, yeah, he's tied with several guys. Um Bradley Chubb, Gregory Russo, and Alex Highsmith is the other one at six right now. But Brian Burns, you can argue it if you want, made the Pro Bowl last year. Probably should have been Hassan Reddick, but made the Pro Bowl last year. Um, his first year was kind of held back. Um, so that those numbers are kind of skewed a little bit. His first rookie year, he was kind of fucked by Ron Rivera. If you, if you ask me, didn't play enough for what, yeah. for what, you know, if talent. you remember Ron Rivera had him on gunner on special teams. Yeah. So <laughs> do I, do I want to see the massive contract? I mean, it, and he's going to get paid and he has to get paid. They don't have a choice anymore. And I just don't. I just don't think the trade was worth it. I think this team is more enticing with Brian Burns on it to an up and coming coach. You take Brian Burns off there, and J.C. Horn, Jeremy Chin. Is that about it? 
That's, that's about it. <laughs> so you add Brian Burns into that. Derek mix. Brown. Derek Brown. Oh, Derek Brown. I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah. So Derek, I'm sorry. That is disrespectful to Derek Brown the season he's having. Yes. Derek Brown, JC Horn, Jeremy Chin is your key, your your core defensive guys. Brian Burns makes that a lot more enticing to a coach. Uh, and then we can look at the offense. But I just I think he is valuable, and I think we will see down the road in the coming years of why they kept him on this team. He is on pace. If we're adding this up right, he should be on pace, I think, at least 10 sacks this year, which he hasn't gotten over that. Vast <laughs> Bryson laughs his ass off, but – I seriously think in the long run, you'll hope, be happy they kept it. I hope you're right. I really do. I, I I I would not want to be right on this, but I just I haven't seen anything from Brian Burns for him to demand to be paid like a top ten defensive end in this league. I just I just haven't seen it and I hope he does make that jump. I think if we go back to the earlier podcast of this year, I think I projected Brian Burns to be one of the MVPs of the team, but he's just unacceptable like this this past week versus the Bengals that was an unacceptable game for Brian Burns he should have been able to make splashes way more than he did and specifically before they were down 28 to nothing to get his first sack so I just it just seems like he disappears he he goes away for a couple games and then he'll have one game with two or three sacks and he'll go away for a couple games and he'll have one game with two it's just like he has to have consistency he he, he struggled in the run game yesterday couldn't set the edge, him or Yitor Grosmatos, which is another player that we have not talked about, but should not be on this roster. He doesn't deserve to be talked about. I'll tell you that no. right now. He, he has literally been the worst player on this team, worse than Chuba Hubbard. And that is like saying a lot for me to say that. Yitor Grosmatos has been terrible. He has a half a sack up to this point um, in the season. He has not stopped the run at any point during the season. Uh, there were multiple plays uh, th- from this past weekend where I saw just watching the game, like not even trying to watch him, where he's getting blocked and the running back goes right around him or a uh, wide receiver's blocking him or a tight end's blocking him. And it's just like he, do- he does nothing good. Like he can't rush the quarterback. He can't stop the run. He's just not a good player. And that is a wasted second-round pick by Matt Rule. Uh, but, man, that and that was a miss because there were some good players that went after him that year. Yeah, I was just looking more at these numbers. I mean, Brian Burns has comparable numbers to Von Miller, and and you like Von Miller, right? I mean, I mean that guy's he's pretty. Von damn Miller's good. old. <laughs> he's very old. No, he is old now. I I don't disagree with you. Let, let's I'm look just... at Von Miller's third, fourth, fifth year in the league and compare it to Brian Burns's third, fourth, fifth year in the league. Well, Von Miller was probably injured, to be totally honest with you, because I know he was injured in those couple years there. Uh, what's Brian Burns? Is his fourth year, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, he was pretty damn good. <laughs> Von Miller? Yeah. Von had 15 sacks his fourth year, 12 hits, 47 hurries, two bad passes. Mind you, he was playing on a very elite defense. I mean, that's the defense that stopped Cam Newton a year after that. So, very elite so you got to put that. You got to have that. You got to consider that a little bit. But yeah, fifteen sacks is pretty damn good, and yeah, forty-seven but, QB hurries like that. Again, like I go back to if Brian Burns is this 
elite level defensive end, he shouldn't have to have he shouldn't have to be surrounded by amazing talent for him to flourish and make a difference. But he is flirt. I mean, he's got six sacks. I mean, that's top at that's top ten in the league right now. I mean, he's he's playing. I mean, he's the only one well. on the defensive line getting sacks. But yeah, I I get that, and I'm not saying he's a bad player, but I'm saying he doesn't deserve twenty million dollars a year for ten sacks a season. I, I I'm not paying him that. If I'm the GM, I'm just not. I I'm think that to it, look at. I think if if they give him a contract that, you know, four years, whatever it is, a hundred million or what comparable to what Bradley Chubb just signed, I think that that is going to handicap this this team for the entirety of that contract, unless they strike gold on defensive end in the second, third, fourth, fifth round to go opposite of him that outperforms him. Yeah, I was trying to see defensive end contracts of who's in the twenties right now. It's um, Von Miller, Leonard Williams, Max Crosby, and Miles Garrett is in the twenties. And TJ Watt, I believe. Well, Watt's I guess outside linebacker, but um, I mean, he's still. Yeah, I, I guess we'd have to look at that too because they categorize those guys weird. Yeah, sometimes. But let me see here, just real quick. Yeah, Bradley Chubb got twenty-two. Khalil I mean, Mack. Are 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 you as a GM? Willing to pay Brian? Okay, so realistically, he's going to get paid more than Bradley Chubb because Bradley Chubb. I think he's going to be around that. I I don't think so. I think it's it's going to be higher because of what has come out with uh, uh, what they turned down, um, the two first round picks and the second round pick. And I mean, Brian Burns has all the leverage because the Panthers have nobody else on the defensive line that gets. I would say it's going to be comparable to Khalil Mack's numbers. Khalil Mack, I traded for a boatload. And, and, and what was his contract? He's at 23 and a half. I would say it's probably going to be which more. Is, which is more than Chubb. Chubb. Chubb right now is at 22. So it's a million and a half more. I think that's where his number is going to be around. And, and, you, and you're, you're paying him that. I don't think you have a choice. You I mean, unfortunately, you're probably missing, right. Missing or not trading him when they show or if they could have. Yeah. Then I don't think I you I don't think you can. Yeah, you're right. I mean, you're right. But I'm asking you if you're the GM. Yeah, I would. I've told. Yeah, I would. Yeah. Yeah, I'm. I'm just not on that boat. I and, and hopefully he changes my mind and finishes the season with 15 sacks. Or it's a 17 game season. He should get more than 15 sacks. But if he's that good, um, but I, I hope he changes my mind. Um, we'll see. Do you not think – what do you rank him uh, in edge rushing? I'm trying to think of like tiers. Like gray or like premier, I, th- I would say premier is probably the top, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like a premier level edge rusher. Where do you rank him in edge rushing then? It, it would be the top 15 edge rusher. You don't think he's yeah. the top 10? I, I would say he's top 15. Um, he's not a premier edge rusher. In my opinion, uh, he's the tier below that, whatever that would be, uh, good or better or whatever it is. Um, I don't think he's premier. I don't think he's on the same. He's not in the same stratosphere as those guys we talked about earlier, Miles Garrett and T.J. Watt and and Khalil Mack and all those guys. Like he's not, he's not a player that's going to take over a game like that. He hasn't done it up to this point in his career, so um, he's just not on that level. Micah Parsons puts him to shame. Yeah, I would put. I would put Garrett and Watt in their own category. I won't even put Mac in there. I don't think 
anymore. Well, you put Michael Parsons in there though. Yeah, but like that, I don't even I don't even think that's compare like that those are the top tier. And then I, I would say Brian Burns is in that middle, what, four to ten, not probably four, but like four to ten area of I do think he's a top ten rusher. I mean, teams scheme him that way. Even with Hassan Reddick on the team, he was getting doubled. He was still getting doubled. So I don't know. We 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 shall see. It's a it's a good debate. It's it's fun to talk about. But yeah, we can leave it there. Brian Burns, we talked about. Yeah, DJ Moore. You know where I stand. I do not want him on in that shitty ass green and gold colors. So, <laughs> and what I love so much about DJ Moore is he is not your typical number one wide receiver. Yeah. He's not your OBJ, your TO, your Randy Moss type. What's the right word for it? Um, diva. Diva. Yeah. yeah. Where, you know, he's not getting the ball and he's crying or pissing and moaning on the sidelines and throwing a ten- temper tantrum. So that's what I love most about DJ Moore. And then he's just consistent. You know, he c- comes in every day and he's consistent and puts up a thousand yards a season with shitty quarterback play and just comes to work and keeps his mouth shut and does his job. So. Yeah, I'll I'll keep him around too. No, thank you, Green Bay, on that one. Well, let's talk about this game this weekend. Atlanta coming to town two weeks ago, shootout in Georgia there. I mean, that game was fun to watch. And then we go on to Sunday and just get our asses embarrassed on TV versus Cincinnati. But Atlanta, what worries you about them? What, what what do you think of this game? Um, well, I would say the the biggest thing that worries me is Cordell Patterson being back. Uh, that is not good for Carolina. Um, we've we've seen that they cannot stop the run, and Patterson is a very good uh, running back uh, out of the backfield, catching and running. So we they struggled with against Algier and whoever the fuck their other random running back is that they couldn't stop, and. Just to add Cordell Patterson to that mix, they got to do something. Um, I mean, I'm probably going to the game. I bought tickets and trying to sell them. So if anybody if anybody wants them, reach out to me. But uh, if if I don't sell, I'm I'm going. I'm not letting them go to waste. And I want to see a competitive game, I guess. Uh, and if Patterson runs all over him like Joe Mixon did, going to be the same thing as it was this past Sunday. So um, the biggest worry for me is that. Um, the, hopefully the defense bounces back. Uh, the Falcons defense is not very good. We saw that. And I think they're still pretty banged up in secondary. So uh, I think the offense will probably have a bounce back game. I, I fucking hope they do, but we'll see. Yeah, I was just looking at their injury report. It, I would think that A.J. Terrell is going to be out again for them. Pretty damn good corner. Um. But, yeah, if they play like they did against Cincy, I think it's going to get ugly real quick Um, as far as defensively, even just defensively. Uh, Cordero Patterson back. Carolina struggled against him last year, if I remember that correctly. I feel like he had like 150-some yards rushing last year. Just wiped them up and down the freaking field. So that concerns me, especially how they – 
you know, covered against Mixon on Sunday, made him look like an all-star. So, yeah, I don't have much expectations. Going to go into it with an open mind and hope they can at least make the game interesting and fun to watch and drink some beer, and that's about it. <laughs> that's really about it. What about a prediction? You got a prediction for us. Yeah, I'm just – I don't know, man. This team has—it's been such a roller coaster season. Even though we're two and seven, it's been up and down, up and down, up and down. And I just think I'm really done with the up and down. We're over—we'll be over halfway through the season, and there's not really much left to play for. I get they're only two games out or three games out or whatever it is of the division, but the defense is just not what it was. Um, if by some miracle they made the playoffs, they would get absolutely embarrassed and I just I'm just not buying in anymore I don't think that they can beat Atlanta I think that they played their best game that they could have played a week ago versus them and they lost um and that could be you could put that on Eddie Pinera or whoever but they still lost so I'm I really don't see them winning this game especially with like we mentioned Cordell Patterson being back um I don't have any faith in the defense to stop the run so I'm going to say 20, Atlanta 27, Carolina 17. Dude, man, everyone keeps stealing my fucking scores. <laughs> I, that's what I was going to say. I think 27 17. I'm, I'm going to go with that too. I think I just can't see them bouncing back with PJ under center. I don't. I want to see Baker in there, and maybe we will see him halfway through this game. But defense has just been going down on this dark ass bumpy road and I said it before and I don't want to say I'm just going to say it again like a broken record but they it's like starting off at ground zero again with this defense it really is they I don't know what is going on they have key players they got the JC Horns they got the Brian Burns they got Derek Brown they might have Jeremy Chin on Thursday there's no reason why this defense is looking like a 25 to 32 ranked defense. There's no reason for it. They have the assets there. These guys should not be struggling as much as they are. I mean, earlier in the year, we were talking about the secondary being one of the best secondaries in the NFL. I'm not seeing that right now. I mean, I'm seeing guys you talked about. I don't even know the guy's name on the Bengals. Probably he's only played two games this year and looked like he was the fucking Wes Welker of the Bengal are the Patriots of a couple, like, yeah. and the Edelman's of the world. Like, so this secondary needs to step it up. CJ Henderson needs to play better. Keith Taylor needs more of an opportunity. Dante Jackson needs to get healthy. Jeremy Chin needs to get back on the field. And these guys need to start to learn how to wrap up and make tackles, set the edge, stay in your gap, and make fucking plays. It's as simple as that. We harped on Phil Snow. Al Holcomb needs to show up, call better plays. They did not get those guys ready for Sunday. They looked like dog shit. And they need to show up if they're going to want more than 10,000 Panther fans in that stadium on Sunday. <laughs> but, yeah, 27-17, Atlanta wins this game. And Carolina is yet again one step closer to finally, after three years of disregarding this position in the first round, they are going to get a quarterback. We will discuss it way more as the season progresses. 
and actually just get your initial thoughts on it. Cause I brought it up as a Twitter poll question and I don't know if I'm sure you, maybe you, I don't know if you answered or not. Initial thoughts right now, will Anderson to pair with Brian Burns and see what Corral's got or go rookie QB. I hope you're a smart man on this one. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. I mean, maybe Corral is something, but you don't pass up an opportunity to draft CJ Stroud or Bryce Young. Like you can't neglect this position again and hope that Matt Corral turns out to be something. And Will Anderson is not really, you know, painting out this season like people thought he would. He has not been great for the Alabama Crimson Tide anyway. So uh, two under underperforming defensive ends is not what I want on my team. And, uh, yeah, you go quarterback. You don't roll with Matt Corral and hope that he recovers from a bad foot injury and that he can have a decent season. Um, I want to see Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud in a Panthers uniform. I don't care which one. Get me one of them. And roll, let's roll into next season with some, with some hope that we finally have a franchise quarterback, uh, you know, since Cam Newton. So – uh, you absolutely got to draft a quarterback. Yeah, Bryson, I am stunned at how many people answered Will Anderson and Matt Corral. Like, how stupid and blind have you been over these last two and a half years to not want QB as the first pick in this draft by this team? It is that's what this that's what put them in this position is those decisions like that. Oh, let's go out and get J.C. Horn. Let's go out and get over Derek Justin Brown. Fields. Who's... Let's go out and get Derek Brown, and then pass up Jalen Hurts in the second round that year. Who'd they get in this? They got Jeremy Chin in that the second round. But like that's the mentality they've had, and it screwed them. And fans still can't learn from that. Is beyond me. I knew it was a dumb question to pose, but I knew people were literally debating that. That's why I asked it, and it created a ton of freaking traffic on that tweet but there is you literally have to be stupid to answer anything but rookie quarterback stupid so i just i wanted to rant a little bit about that because that was when i saw that i was like holy shit we've hit a low point as fans like you gotta you i don't care if matt corral is the next second coming patrick mahomes aaron Rodgers, whatever you want it to be you throw another dart at that QB board and let them guys go out and compete in training camp and see who comes out on top. More than likely, it's going to be the rookie quarterback they draft this upcoming year, but it's still going to give Corral a chance. But, I mean, that injury, that's no guarantee. Take a crack at one of these top talent guys. and I, I don't care if it's Will Levis or Anthony Richardson or Hinden Hooker. You draft a fucking quarterback in the first round when you get a chance to draft a quarterback, and you hope that he pans out because you cannot – sit around and, and hope and pray that Matt Corral and P.J. Walker when your roster next year is going to work out. You have to continue to address this position until you find somebody, and you can't just sit there and 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 say, okay, Matt Corral's got a quick release, and he, he does have potential, and roll the dice on that for another season. I would much rather have a rookie quarterback highly drafted coming in and competing with Matt Corral. And if Matt Corral wins and, and beats him out, then who the fuck's complaining? Like we have a franchise quarterback. So I, I mean, you, I just can't understand. I can't reason with people that want, don't want to take a quarterback in the first round. It makes no sense. And you got people that that say like, well, you got those uh, good mid round quarterbacks like Dak Prescott and Jalen Hurts in the second. And those quarterbacks are so rare. 
a dime a dozen. It's just you have to strike gold, and um, Carolina just isn't isn't going to do that. I mean, when have we ever done that? Besides a, a couple of defensive players here and there, maybe like a quarterback, you have a much higher, better chance of striking a quarterback that can win games and become your franchise quarterback when you draft them high in the first round where you have them graded instead of either hoping that one falls or taking a chance on a lower round quarterback that has his issues. So, which Matt Corral was last year, a third round pick. So you have to, and I don't care what happens the rest of the season. They better draft a quarterback number one in the first round when they have a pick uh, because they should have done it when it was Justin Fields and they took JC Horn. And then you mentioned Derek Brown and they missed on Jalen Hurts in the second. So they've had chance after chance after chance to address quarterback and take a good quarterback, but they failed to do it. And we're still sitting here again talking about what we need. And it's another failed season. And I'm just just disappointed. And I, I just really don't understand or reason with people that don't think we should take a quarterback in the first round. Yeah, and I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying the first-round quarterback – is an automatic hit. It's not. We know the statistic. But you have a better chance in the first round than you do in the second round, then the third round, then the fourth round. And you got to shoot your shot at some point. They haven't shoot they didn't shoot their shot. They got to shoot your shot this fucking upcoming season. It's that simple. And if you don't hit, you still have Matt Corral waiting in the wings. And there you go. There's your Matt Corral. He can see what he's got. But you got to shoot your shot at some point. They have failed to do that under Matt Rule. And you cannot convince me otherwise that is the route they should go. I know I harped on it last year with free agents and then was really high on Baker once the draft came around. But I do not want to see a uh, a free agent quarterback in here unless he's a backup whatsoever on this team. So, again, very early talk and draft, but I thought I would pose it. I wanted to see where you were at. I assumed – you were in the kind of the same wavelength. I wasn't, wasn't an idiot like some of these people on Twitter are, but my goodness, people wake up. Panthers need a quarterback. You got to take your shot when you can get it. And it's probably going to be this year when they have a top three pick. Let's leave it at that. We're going to thank everyone for listening to our show, Panthers on tap podcast. You can get all of our episodes, wherever you listen to your podcast, give us a follow on Twitter at Panthers on tap for all your analysis and breaking news. And as always, 